Come one, come all to a comedy advice podcast. God, what a horrible intro. Oh, you know what's really going to reel him in? An old man. Oh, on the verge of death? Yeah, that'll really keep it real. Okay, great. Hey, guys, it's Stefan. I'm your host. I am not old. I am, well, I'm 32, so I'm getting there. But I feel like I'm at the peak of my youth. So I hope this instills trust with you guys, knowing that you're in for the long ride. And I am not, well, I mean, I'm not going to be old anytime soon. I I could die at any time, which maybe that would get my numbers up. So I'll think about that. But in the meantime, just wanted to come at you with a little intro love. Guys, thank you so much for being here. I've got an awesome guest for you today, Anthony Davis, as you may have read on the cover as you downloaded the episode. But you know what? I'm still going to say it. He is an amazing comedian. He's just got a special out, Eat Around It, which is like number one in Amazon as bestsellers for comedy albums. So he is crushing it. And It is a delightful album. I listened to it. I think I listened to it twice, to be honest with you. Once for the research, twice for the giggles. It is such a good album, and I talk with Anthony about it. We also talk about a lot of other things, like him growing up in the South, living in Detroit, and teaching in Detroit for four years. And he's just a delightful human being. I had nothing but good fun with him, as opposed to bad fun. Well, I guess you can have bad fun if you do things illegal. We were strictly legal in all of our banter and activities, and we just had a good time together. I really liked him. I felt like he was my friend. I don't think he feels the same, but you know what? I felt good and comforted in his presence. He's just a a, a southern charm. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And just wanted to say thank you so much. If this is your first time, hello, bonjour, ni hao. And, and and hi, but thank you for stopping by. If this is your, if you're if you're a, a frequent, a loyal customer, thank you so much for coming back. I really appreciate your business, even though you're not paying for anything. You're listening, and I love it. And guys, if you want to support, please submit a question if you've got one at a comedy advice podcast at gmail.com. That'll all be in the show notes. If you guys haven't already, please subscribe, leave a review. Uh, tell a friend, share it, follow us on social at a comedy advice podcast. You guys are doing God's work because I pray to God that he makes this podcast special and he doesn't do it. So you guys have to do his work for me. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Also, if you guys want to support me on Patreon, I've got a link in there, patreon.com slash a comedy advice podcast. And you guys can support me and help me financially to be able to make this podcast the best around no one's ever gonna bring me down in downloads yeah so i'll be singing tunes like that on the patreon or you can pay me to not sing tunes like that you guys will have ad-free episodes on there early releases bonus content (laughs) content yeah you'll have bonus content so guys if i haven't sold it uh just go on over there and and read the tears you guys will be brought to tears with these amazing tears that I have for as little as $2 a month. You guys could be a loyal patron. So that's it. You guys are wonderful creatures of God. And I really appreciate having you guys very godlike. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. But anyway, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan Satani, and I'm your host. Joining me today is an amazing guest. He's not just special. I say that way too many times. He's amazing. He's, oh, he grimaced at the special, so I'm glad I didn't go with special. He's a comedian that won the 2019 San Diego Comedy Festival, seen on NBC's A New Leaf in the nationwide commercial for Backblade. He has his debut album, Eat Around It, out now. Everybody, please welcome the amazing comedian, Anthony Davis. Yay! I know, I, I really need to get started with like a clap or something, because it just went into silence, so... You know, I like it. it's like doing a Zoom a Zoom show. You just you don't you don't expect anybody to respond, especially when you're being funny. You're just like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm doing this now. Yeah, but I, I'm not saying that you're you're doing this podcast like doing a Zoom show. It's it's much better. I yeah. I can promise you that. It's all right. It's all right. I get it. I've gotten that a lot. A lot of the reviews on Apple Podcasts are just like this is like a shitty Zoom show. No laughter. So it's. It's okay. Um, you can be honest here. But I wanted to ask, before we dive into the world of Anthony, I just wanted to ask a little surface level. How are you? How have you been holding up? How's quarantine been going for you over in LA? I'm, I've been, I'm fine. I, gotta, I have to go to work. I work in IT, so I work on site all the time fixing computers. So, I mean, I'm also in school to get my bachelor's and then my master's degree. So, yeah, I've been busy. I've been instead of being stagnant, I've been writing every single day because I have, I'm doing shows when the, the you know this pandemic is over, so, and I can't do any other stuff I did for my CD anymore, so I have to write new material. Oh shit! So I've been plowing through that. So yeah, I've been keeping busy. You can't you can't be stagnant when you're in a pandemic. And I know I know anybody asks like, how do you know? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going with what I have. I've never been in a pandemic before. You know, yeah. Well, I got a plan for this pandemic next year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in my plan, my fiscal plans for the calendar year. I I totally agree with you. So you're combating a different kind of virus, and that's the computer virus with IT. And (laughs) you were, you are an IT right now. You were a Mm -hmm. teacher before that in Detroit, of all places. What caused you to be a teacher? I laid awake every night asking me the same, asking myself the same question: Why the fuck am I a school teacher? I've, I always wanted to be a teacher. I, I love I love teaching people, love teaching. And then I then I saw how badly we got paid and how much shit we had to deal with. And then I just then the school got shut down and got consolidated with other schools. So I got let go because I was the most inexperienced teacher. So I was like, cool, all right. Well, I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. Oh man. Oh, and so. the only reason I picked Detroit is because I was going to school in Michigan at, um, at uh, Michigan State. And they're like, Teach for America like, came up to me. And they're like, hey, you want to teach in Detroit? We'll give you a, a room. I'm like, yeah, sure. I've never, I've never heard of Detroit before. Why not? Fuck. And they're like, got one. Yeah, they're like, got them. <laughs> it was the worst. I don't, I don't know why I didn't just Google it. I'm a southern white fat man in detroit i was eating alive out there but those little bastards holy shit and and how long did you teach in detroit for was it six years yeah well i started i teach 
altogether six years, but Detroit is like four. Okay. Okay. God, damn, that's a long time too. I know. I look how old I look. Just <laughs> you see all the dead, the dead look in my eye, where no happiness has been for years. Yeah. Thanks, Detroit. Detroit is like this wrinkle on the right side, and you, I mean, you look great. You you look real good. Fountain of youth over here. I was gonna say too. <laughs> Someone says I look like I was in my late forties when I was on stage, and that. That crippled my self-esteem. I'm only 30, and that hurts so much. People say shit like that. Oh, my God, dude. I, I kind of know what you mean because I, I used to joke with people. I think around 18, it was okay where I would be like, oh, I'm 28, and I do when people asked how old I was. And I'd say, I'm 28, and they're like, no way. But now I'm 32, and I'm like, oh, guess how old I am? And they're like, uh, and I'm like, I'm 42. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. And I'm like, fuck you guys. That, uh, yeah. I don't appreciate I did that. that. I, I, I did that joke on my special. I was like, how old do y'all think I am? And someone said, like, 38. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> it was, I was like, ah, guess I'll go kill myself now. It just it hurt so much. And, like, Detroit was the one of the places where, you know, when the rioting happened, when the Lions – I moved there the, the year that the Lions went 0-16. and 16. And they went the perfect season of just not winning and they started rioting and the people had to travel to riot because the shit city was so shitty. They had, they had to find a place where that wasn't already on fire. <laughs> They're like, all right guys, it's three blocks down the road. Let's get on this bus and then we can start riding. Like as soon as you go out of the stadium, you're like, well, it's, I mean, that CVS is already on fire. I guess we'll just go, I guess we'll just go somewhere else then. Jesus Christ, that almost reminds me of, it seems like a movie, a scene in a movie where everyone's got their, their picket fences and, or picket signs and everything. And they're just, they're like in an elevator, just sitting there waiting to, to be able to riot. And then they go out of the bus and like, yeah, fuck yes. Yeah. I would, I would be actually pretty happy if I saw picket fences, people holding picket fences. <laughs> Exclusivity from other people. The barrier between lawns and property is very good for our environments. That's what we call the suburban riot. I like that. Um, well, that's good. I'm glad you survived unscathed, relatively unscathed from Detroit. So you ended up, your journey was North Carolina, Baltimore, Michigan, Baltimore, Los Angeles, correct? Or did I miss a few stops? It was North Carolina, Michigan, Baltimore, uh, North Carolina, Baltimore, and then out here to L.A. Oh, man. I just I, I tried to make it a little more enchanting, I guess. I don't know. No, I just I, like how you remember that I was other states than that. I'm just fine. Most people are like, you're what are you from? Like for Texas? I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm from Texas. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So happy to be on your podcast. Appreciate it. Just do some fucking research. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, so and and um speaking of research, so I did hear that you and your wife ended up we can talk about you and your wife in a sec, but you guys ended up making it to LA. Your wife was like, I wanna live in LA. I wanna live in California, and you were like, Let's do it. Yeah, as honest it was honestly just that. She's like, I've always wanted to live in California. I was like, Okay, I mean we ain't got kids, so why not? Let's just move out here. Let's just do it. And then we I think it was like a like three months after that, we packed up and we came out here. That's it. Damn. And you never Just looked back. back. Never looked back. I mean, I miss I miss the East Coast. I mean, it's food's better and there's you know just you know less sunshine and it fucking rains once in a while, but you know, I still <laughs> like it out here. It's just so goddamn expensive out here. Yeah. Yeah. 
I I agree. I well, I I have nothing to base that off of except for what I've read online because I live in Arizona in Phoenix where things are dirt cheap because we technically shouldn't live here. It's so hot. If you go outside, you just start to combust. But isn't you guys like air conditioning free or something? I heard it was either Nevada or Arizona where you they get to you guys get to have air conditioning for free because it's so hot that people it's it's like to the legal point where they're like please stay in our state. Oh, I wish that happened in Phoenix. Maybe it's Las it's Nevada. I thought you meant are you guys air conditioning free as in you don't use air conditioning? And I was like, absolutely not. We <laughs> in the olden times we still use a block of ice in the middle of our bedrooms. <laughs> get cool for hours and hours and then the floods <laughs> happened and that's when people stopped <laughs> uh but arizona lovely place besides the fact that it's scorching hot six months out of the year but because of that people don't want to live here as much and so it's a little cheaper my wife and i we moved from new york so it was a little bit more expensive i, uh, I love new york i used to go up there all the time to do stand up my favorite place was like there was a chinese place the Chinese in like a, a Greek place where you can get like pizza and Chinese food at the same time, like four in the morning. And I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I didn't even, I'd stopped from going to like the, uh, I don't even know what it's called. That's how bad I am as a tourist. Uh, <laughs> where is it where everybody wants to go? Not the, not the Empire State Building or Statue of Liberty, uh, Times Square. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Everybody's like, it's going to be Times Square. And I was like, let's eat this, this Greek pizza Chinese place. This is awesome. Like was, I was my fat ass. I wanted to eat food instead of see things I've never seen before. Oh, dude, that's the best part of it, though. My wife and I, we would we would make it a point to go out and try a new place to eat because the, the food is just it's like a cornucopia of delicious and unique foods out there in New York. Um, yeah, it's delicious. That's the, same thing, that's the same thing me and my wife did when we went to Italy. She was uh, we were at a vineyard. She hates when I tell the story because it makes her look like a drunk, even though she is. She got, I don't drink. So we went to a wine tasting at a vineyard. So she drank my wine that was supposed to go to me for the wine tasting. And she, we were just plowing down the cheese board. And like, they were like, like, yeah, this is the taste of Italy. I was like, this is, yeah, this is a great taste. I don't drink, but the cheese is pretty good. <laughs> and she, she's like, then the lady's like, well, with our wine, you don't have to worry about a hangover because it doesn't have sugar. Like, in America, right? My wife just shit face hammered. She's like, "Challenge accepted." <laughs> yes. And she just got shit. We got. I think we got, we were almost about to get kicked out because she just kept shouting at people like, "Hey, everybody, welcome to the vineyard." Martha's not here, right? It was great. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> then it's funny that you say that too because I think my I had the same reaction when I lived in Italy for a little while I went to this small town where you could ride your bike everywhere and I was 20 years old so it was right before I could legally drink in the US and they were saying oh there are no sulfates in the wine so you can get as drunk as you want and you don't get the hangover and I was like yeah so me and my group of friends we would get wasted and then ride our bikes home I don't know how sometimes the bike would just ride itself because <laughs> it, everybody listening to this podcast, he basically agreed and said, admitted that he drinks in bicycles, <laughs> causing like 45 people dying in car accidents because they're trying to swerve his ass. 
when he's trying to sing you know, all the parts to the <laughs> no, no. I, I should I should clarify you can't drive there unless you're a resident so most people it's like Amsterdam everybody rides their bikes so I thought you're like oh yeah we drove our passenger <laughs> and then you started like pissing off pissing on people and like beating up people in the streets like, that was fucking awesome but we were we woke up we remembered everything so it was cool <laughs> You, if you drink alcohol, you should have. If you drink enough, it's like it's God's way of saying, like my head is like your hangover is God's way of saying, hey, maybe next time don't do so much, bud. You know, uh, maybe it's pace yourself. That's but a- like taking that away from is like God's just way of saying, all right, buddies, good luck. Shuts <laughs> it out. Yes, it's a quick a quick journey from heaven to hell, real quick from the highs and the lows of drunk to hangover. It's almost like a Dante's Inferno, the Divine Comedy in. Uh, in a very trashy way. I've, I've always, yeah, me and my wife have said that we're going to reserve the first time I ever get drunk to, I think, our five or ten year anniversary. Really? So you have a date. I was going to ask about that because, and I think this is a nice segue into your special, Eat Around It, uh, which is a hilarious special. If you guys want to listen, the links are going to be in the show notes. But I, I absolutely love the special and I wanted to talk about it. And one of the bits you're talking about is how... Uh, you haven't drank at all in your life, so that's still true. Mm-hmm. And you, but you do have a date to plan, maybe tentative. Uh, the only time I've had alcohol is, is for is for like a video of me trying alcohol for the first time. It was malt liquor, and people kept telling me, "Well, that doesn't count because it's malt liquor." I was like, "It, yeah, it did taste like monkey piss." So yeah, I don't think it should have counted. It was like they were like, "Can you guess which one of these tastes the best?" And like, which one's the most expensive? It was like, they all taste like shit. <laughs> and like, I was like, yeah, I think one of them, like, I, was, I think I said, like, I was, I just didn't like the taste so much. And I said, it tastes like my dad's disappointment in me when I lost that soft, that baseball game. <laughs> and people are like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, yeah, it tastes really bad. I don't like this at all. Oh, my God. It, you, I think you stumbled across a really good point there, though, because, sorry, not stumbled. You gracefully walked on a good point here. Because... <laughs> no, when it's talking, it's stumble. <laughs> with a southern accent, you are you're borderline stuttering every time you try to talk. <laughs> right now, I'm struggling just to make myself less, like intelligible while I talk because it just could divulge into like some Louisiana talk where it's like bonk and bounce bit. Holy shit. Well, I think it's very enchanting. I am not exposed to that accent as exposed sounds like a, a bad word, but I, I'm not uh I don't encounter that accent a lot except for Hollywood and movies and things like that. So it was nice to hear you on the album. It's nice to hear you live. You're just as enchanting live as you are on, on the album. Stop it. <laughs> but, but so we're married. God. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Is your wife listening to this or okay. No, she's she's not. She's no, she's not here. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. I got I got like I knew my wife didn't listen to any didn't listen to my special yet. Because she was, I think she was shit faced, stoned the other day. Like, you were sitting on the couch, and I was like, You're talking about my our proposal to each other. You heard the proposal, like, it was like uh, she dropped pepperoni on her titties and everything. Yeah. She didn't know that was in the special. I was like, Baby, you were there when it was recorded. You were the laughing at it. How'd you not remember <laughs> that? Like, you were, you told me I could tell that for the special. She's like, 
I just don't want people to know about. I'm like, well, about 30,000 people know that story now. So I, <laughs> oh, it's like, I didn't think you'd really do it. It's like, you fucking were there. You saw it happen. You saw the story. Live. So, yeah, the metaphorical cat is probably out of the bag at this point. And that is hilarious. I did because I was looking at your stories on Instagram and then I saw that she had posted a story. So I went to her. I was like, oh, is that the wife that he's been talking about? And then I yeah. saw in her bio, she's got the link to your special. So I was like, oh, what a nice supporting wife. This is great. That hasn't listened to the special. They listen to a damn thing. Fucking liar. She's telling people, it's great. You should listen. I'm like, you fucking liar. How dare you? You're like a lobby for cigarettes. You don't do shit. You're telling people your, your cigarettes don't kill. You fucking liar. You never smoke a damn day. They're great. They're great. Just try them. I don't do them, but you should try them. I've never smoked a day. Like, that's like me promoting Budweiser. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I bet it's great. It'll get you drunk enough to not hit your wife anymore, I guess. Budweiser. It's good. <laughs> the, I, don't know why, I don't know why she said that to me. I was like, baby, you know, like it's it's too late. She like it look the look on her face, it was like two days ago too. The special's been out for like four days. And she's just like, It's in the special? I'm like, <laughs> yes, it's, it's there. It's 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 a bit late to say to turn it around now. I mean, sorry. <laughs> you know, say, you, you, you were she was there when it was being reported. I'm like how do you not know that? <laughs> That's funny. It makes me think of the bit that you were talking about. My wife's not here. She's getting stoned watching Game of Thrones episode one for the 10th time or something like that. Fucking yeah. hate, I hate that. Because, she, yeah, it was. I was up. I caught up Game of Thrones. I was on, like, season eight, ready to start it, and she's still in season one. It's like, baby, just either you're going to be with me and watch this or you're not. you got to <laughs> pick a fucking lane. So I'm not waiting for you to finish to do this. We're doing this together or not at all. It's just, yeah, then yeah. And even when I first started, I was like, this is kind of stupid. I don't like, I don't want to see boobs and sex. If I want to see boobs and sex, I watch porn. If I'm paying for HBO twenty dollars a month, I want to see fighting. I want to see people. Right, die. right, right, right. Agreed. Agreed. And then like, yeah, like what I said, when I saw the incest, I was like, well, I don't want to judge this too. <laughs> that was so good. And what they did, like, because it was recorded with audio, that's, I counted that. And I put my fingers up, and I was like, "That's number three. And like, I've always counted, always counted how many incest jokes I do in a, spe- a special, and they cut a few of them out, which it's fine because I stopped counting because they told me I can't count them because if they cut them out, then they look weird. But I was like, "That's five. And like, everyone's like, "What number? Where's number three and t- four? Like, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> I love that. And one of the things I loved about your special too and your stand-up in general is I think out of all the specials that I've heard in the past year or so, I think you are the person that says fuck you to the audience the most, which is absolutely hilarious. And get away with it too because you're so funny. This is so, it's the draw. You know, when you, when you hear someone like say something horrific, but if it, like, it's like, oh my God, we're here to something actually like, oh, that's kind of all right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you might be right because me, me even just saying the words out of my mouth, even though it wasn't directed towards you, I felt a little bad and I was like, should I just not say this? F you? Should I soften this? Everyone's always brought that up to me. Everyone's like, hey, you say fuck y'all on stage a lot. I'm like, yeah, well, fuck them. I'm like, it's just, they're like, it's, they're like, everyone, every time I do a stand up show, like, I'm all, 
I just see how hypocritical audience are, especially with my snake bit. When people are like, oh, we feel bad. Like, the dude was shaking the shit out of snakes. You fucking hypocrite. <laughs> he was cheating on his wife. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, you fucking hit Fuck y'all, you goddamn hypocrites. Like, oh, you feel bad that he died, but now he's fucking his wife. I guess you're fine with it now. And that was another thing that I wanted to talk about, too, because I really admire you being able to, to commit to the joke, even though there are those people where obviously you've you've anticipated that there there might be a little pullback from the audience, but you, but you you embrace it. And then you're like, hey, you, you're a bunch of hypocrites here. You stick with the joke, commit. And then um, they end up laughing, too. They're like, yeah, we were kind of hypocritical. We we got it. You're funny. So I tell you, like I said, the juggling swords thing. I'm like, if you saw someone juggling swords and they impale themselves, you don't feel bad for the person. You're like, well, you were kind of juggling swords. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting into. The same thing with shaking snakes. If you get bit one, you (laughs) fucked up. So, I mean, you knew it was going to come. Maybe you shouldn't have fucked up or maybe you should stop shaking snakes. That was beautiful. And then to give a little, to live a little bit of context to the listeners, if you haven't listened yet, shame on you. But as you listen, there will be a a special treat about Anthony's trip to Kentucky where there's a church that worships with snakes. And I won't get into more detail than that because you'll just have to listen to be in on the fun. But I, I mean, to be able to, when when you had that joke about, well, uh, you we know, we know, we're insiders. But you had that joke where it didn't get the last and the audience pulled back. I got scared for you and I was like, how is he going to get out of this? And then you just went to the guy juggling swords and then they started to bring him back in. So obviously master crafted here but oh thank you but going in i was going to ask about when you first started crafting that joke how did it go and was there the same type of of pullback and were you able to pull it out or did it take a lot of different tries to be able to get that joke in the right place for the ultimate laughter for me a lot of times i write a lot on stage but i am extremely detailed when i write uh, my jokes too like i have an excel sheet with all my jokes in it, how many times I've told each joke, how many times I've rewritten it, how many words are in each joke, how many times I've rewritten it with how many joke counts it is. If the joke gets less than it works, uh, if it works like more than like, if it doesn't work uh, more than 10% of the time, then I rewrite the joke completely. So like that joke I told about two, like 50 or 60 times. And I was like, oh, they're pulling back at that part because I record every time I'm on stage too. And I listen to nice, it. I'm like, nice. what did what did they always listen to? Well, they always laugh at it. They always laugh at that part, but they always pull back at that part. But it, it didn't make any sense to me because I was like, this whole time I was building up to this guy. He was an asshole. He was saying you're gonna burn in hell if you don't if you're <laughs> a sinner. And he got bit by a fucking snake. <laughs> they say if you get bit by a snake, that means you're living in sin. He was living in fucking sin. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> And like when I finally came to that point, I was just like, then I should, I'm not going to accommodate these people anymore. Like I don't ever accommodate on any other, other time. Like when they, when they groaned, when I said my, my dad's not really dead, he's just dead to me. They always, they, people always pull back at that part. I'm like, you guys were fine with me fucking my sister a second ago, but now me and my dad have a rock relationship. That's when you guys, okay, well, fuck all y'all. That was the other example that I was thinking about. And I, I just, I have to, I'm going to turn on the compliment shower, pull the lever and just aim the nozzle towards you to douse you a little bit with compliments. But I I think that it's just so masterfully crafted. And I think that you also, you don't see that 
in a lot of specials. Specials, it seems like, oh, I got to have this many laughs per second or something like that. And I think being along for the ride of that, it <clears throat> I felt drew me in being like, okay, I'm on the edge of my seat. What's going to happen here? And then you pulled it off and it was excellent. And I was thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot of times. Like I, I go up there. I know how to get. I'm getting. I know how many jokes I'm doing. I know exactly how the words are going to be. But I don't say the same words each time. I do. I make it seem like it, you're supposed to do. You must supposed to make it seem like this is the first time you're telling the joke. You know, you don't want people to go. You want to go to like. And this is joke. This is end of joke. This is punchline. Thank you. Good night. Like that's. I don't want that. I don't want that robotics feeling. I want to go up there like I stumbled a lot. I, I stuttered some because I was excited about these jokes. And, like I talked to the audience. If you go, if you do a show and people, you take the audience away from it. You don't talk to them. They don't make them feel like they're a part of it. You know, they're going to be like, oh, that's kind of a cool show. Yeah. And it was kind of funny. But the fact those people, like those people I called on during the show, they followed me the same day. They've already bought my album. They've already liked it. And they felt like they were part of it. Like that's how, that's my comedy is. You know, me telling stories, it's basically my comedy set is like me being at a party where everyone's listening to a story I told. And I'm like, I'm bringing people in just like in this. And you don't know, like what, like bringing them into the story, but also having something ready for whatever response they're going to say. No yeah. matter what they say, I have a response for. Damn. And it's like, like what they didn't have in the special, like the, which will be in the video one is like the, there's three people from Canada in that show. I was, like I kept going at him. I was like, you know, this is being recorded, right? We, like, there, like it was like a, a guy that is married. His wife is in Canada, and he was with a lady that was with him at work. I'm like, you guys went off and went to a comedy special, and that's what you're doing in that. You know, this is being recorded. Your wife's gonna wonder who the fuck this lady is. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's little. That's in the video video special. It's on the audio special because you could see me like I'm bending over. I'm like, you know, this is being recorded. And I pointed the cameras and went, this is it's going to be on here forever. They're going to know <laughs> that you are fucking this lady. And like, I, even when I got off stage, like, why did you do that? I was like, because this is an experience. This isn't like, I know like every other comedy special, you like do jokes, they go up there, they do their best stuff. And it's, you know, it's point A to point B. For me, it's like point A, point C, point B. I just want it to be like a fun experience outside of just laughter. Like people know about like the horrible snake churches now because I tell them about it. And there's like 13,000 churches and there's over 40, like, like 1400 deaths a year from those snake churches because of that. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. And mo like those people that was fucking special didn't even know that this shit existed now, but now they do. I, everyone like thirty thousand people know that this shit exists now. Oh my god! I, yeah, I didn't know that either, and uh, I should have googled it. But I just trusted you. I felt like it was real. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> See, that's how much you got me engaged. Not just the audience that was there, but the audience outside listening to the album in their in the comfort of their own home. I was like, yeah, sure, there are churches with snakes. That's a thing. I mean, I guess there's been so many things that have happened this year anyway that. Uh, have caused me to just yeah but was it yeah so i was just fighting this dude that was made of fires and swords you're like okay sure yeah, i mean I, I, I believe that what did he have like a 2020 flag on him is that what it was doing? <laughs> Fire you 2020? 
like, yeah, I was fighting a literal embodiment of 2020, just a, a serrated <laughs> fucking sword with knives and fire on it. 2020 just came in the form of used masks, toilet paper, and murder hornets, and just formed yeah. a body and started fighting me. So. And it just out of nowhere just turned on fire, but everything inside the fire is fine. You're like, how the fuck does this even make sense? <laughs> like, the accent is convincing, though. He's He's got yeah. me. <laughs> when i'm at work though i hide like i hide my accent like i talk like this i hide my accent completely because when i work in it i don't want people to uh, to pick up the phone and be like service desk this is anthony how can i help you like i don't i don't feel you're like yeah this guy knows about computers like, you know like oh yeah you know, you're a hamster that's inside your computer box and uh your magical talkie type of computer yeah it ain't working so you just gotta get that hamster replaced you know like anything i say in this accent <laughs> No one fucking believes me when it comes to technology. So when I'm at work, I hide my accent. No one actually knows I'm from the South or that I do stand-up. Oh, my God. I. By the way, I know you mentioned recording, and I forgot to record the video. Do you mind if I record? I usually ask the guests before. No, yeah, I, don't, I don't care. Okay. I, I have the audio. Don't worry. This we don't have to start over here. This meeting is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. I like how uh, if you would have told me that would have popped up, like Jesus Christ, Skynet. <laughs> I, I I I thought about doing it as you were talking about the recording, but I was like, no, I should probably talk to him about it, and then he might get freaked the fuck out if it happened. So. I, just, I just imagine, like, I love thinking about Skynet. Skynet happens next year. I just keep I just keep thinking, like, you know, Skynet's not going to work because you know all the stupid shit that we do on our phones. It's just like, hey, um, if I put a transformer in my butthole. Am I going to be okay? Sky, so Skynet's taking that information and be like, <laughs> you know, I don't think we should enslave these people. I think we just, we should just, let's just call it off. I don't want to do this. Like, yeah, even the Matrix. I was just thinking the Matrix just like goes into someone's fucking head and it's just some guy that likes to be dressed up in diapers. And they're just like, well, do we really need this guy's energy to power the Matrix? Can we just, can we skip this guy? Yeah. I just don't, I don't want to be part of this anymore, guys. I think the machines have gone too far. <laughs> out. Ser- seriously, I feel like if there were machines, they'd be like, fuck, these guys are left to their own devices. Because from the diaper wearing to the snake touting uh, churches, I think it's, uh, we're fucked. In- oh, yeah. I, like, I go on a tirade. Like, I used to go on a really bad tirade about like Joel Olstein, that fucking guy. Like, I, like, my dad is a preacher and he can't read. Yeah, which I fucking think is hilarious too. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I didn't. I for, I dropped doing that. I stopped doing that joke because it was it was aggressive towards him. And he, like, he's my dad. And I love him. But I was so aggressive about it. I was like, this guy. He listens to Bible and audio tape and fucking skips. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I I got I got so tired of hearing like him, him and my stepmother talking about God on like Facebook and like promoting like blue lives and all that shit i got so tired of it i became an ordained minister just so when they start fighting me back about the bible i'm like well dad are you an ordained minister because it thinks i think it, but i'm higher in the church than you are now <laughs> <laughs> listen to your pastor so i i saw that on your instagram and i was think i was wondering why but now i know now we now well, we I'm all not know doing it to be good i'm doing it just to be an asshole i don't <laughs> <laughs> are you I hate that I did that but my like they raised me in the church. They raised me to like I know the Bible inside and out. I know the the more you know about the Bible, the more you the less you believe in it. Because you're just like, oh, okay, so I can't eat fish, but I can hate 
apparently I can hate gays. That's cool. I don't understand how that makes sense. Yeah, some interesting, interesting lines in there. Oh, man. I was wondering if you were going to start your own sect of uh, the Snake Church in L.A. I thought that would have been well, interesting. What I really want to do is that because I'm a minister and I get in front of people for about an hour each time, it's technically a sermon. I can probably get tax write-offs for that. And then I can just get paid for comedy without paying taxes for it, which is the biggest fuck you to the government I could think of. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> that's genius. I, <laughs> I love that. Um, I wanted to circle back on the a pretty nice point that you made about connecting with the audience and making them engaged. And I think that's so powerful where I think that one big struggle for comedians is to connect with their content or connect with their material where, and what I mean by that is having it something that ties to them. I think you can be a great observational comic as well. Um, and there are plenty of examples out there, but I think that personal twist makes it so much funnier. People can kind of relate to it and it shows a little bit about you, but putting that, that funny flavor inside making it delicious to listen to, but then it's easier for people to get into it when they see that, it's happened to someone that they know now. They see that, you know, yes. I went to that experience. I could have talked about seeing the videos on YouTube and that's it. But then it takes out that personal touch of me being there. Like yes. I saw the videos and then I went there. Like yeah. I saw the people getting bit and I was like, this is, I could just make a joke about this. But then I was like, well, what? let me just see what it's like in person. And when you get a story from somebody in person, it's, it's easier to get more engaged about because you're not just seeing it from just uh, observation. You're seeing it from an actual person's point of view of what happened there. Yeah. You know, their 360 point of view. You know, I, I love, like, I love observational comedy, but my favorite comedy is seeing people that are talking about what's happening in their lives. You can make something that's, that people can relate to, like, my job sucks, or, you know, something about what I've done. And, like, that's why I say every time someone wants to do something when I'm on the road, I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Let's see what happens. That's always something fucking crazy. Like, the guy, like, my opener is like, hey, you want to go to church? I'm like, not really, but it's like a snake church. I'm like, fuck yeah. I mean, yeah, we're going. Let's do it. Let's do this. Do we need a reservation? Let's go. I mean, I'll call them right now. Let's set this Applebee's shit up. Like, I didn't. And then that led to, like, that 10-minute long joke. It was just, it's, it's an, it's a, so you're, you're grabbed by it because you're like, this happened to this guy. Now I want to hear more about it instead of like, well, so I was watching this video and then this, this, this happened. You're like, well, that's kind of cool. You're like, I saw this guy fucking die. You're like, okay, you're I'm, I'm into this story for the long haul now. Yes, yes. And perfectly executed. And I think a great example of why we need separation of church and snake. But on top of that, uh, I feel like sorry, I, I had to slither that one in. But I, I also wanted, <laughs> I also wanted to say that the, your connection that you talked about with the audience, I think that's another challenge for comedians or another opportunity, let's call it where like you said, you got people following you the same day, buying your album. And I think you make it into such a more fun experience when people feel like they're a part of it. And I, I, that, I just wanted to turn the Thank nozzle you. your way, douse you a little more with some compliments. That's, I also like tell that to new people too. Like when they get, if you get frustrated about a joke not working, don't attack the audience or don't ever insult the audience. I never, I've never, I'll make fun of them but I'm making fun of them with them. Like, I'm never like, yes. man, you black piece of shit, you should fucking kill yourself. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man, fuck y'all. Like, it's, it's, I'm like, I'm endearing because I've already got them on my side. I'm already, they already like me. And I, it's just like your friend saying it to you. Like, fuck y'all, man. Like, the joke doesn't work. Y'all, 
I'll say, why do you guys like that joke? I'm like, well, fuck y'all. It's, <laughs> I never attack them because if someone's attacked at a show, they're never going to a comedy show again. That's why people don't sit in the front row. That's why people don't ever like, like they pull back when you talk to them. Yeah. Like make sure that they feel, if they feel involved, they feel like they're having a good time. If I do pick on them, it's just a little pick. It's not like me going into their fucking lives and say, this is why your wife Linda fucking left you, Tom. Like, I don't know. They're going to their goddamn stores and they're just pulling a wrench and their goddamn heart is pulling it out. I'm just like picking at them. So they had a good time. They could go to friends at work. Like, this guy got me. He was like saying this shit to me. Like, oh, yeah, I totally want to go to another show if it's going to happen like that again. But it's like they're paying $20 a ticket and then they're paying for drinks when they could just go to, they could stay home and watch Netflix. Yeah. If you're just just doing something for Netflix, like, hey, I'm just doing my jokes. But if you're giving them experience, you're like, yeah, I will pay for your album. I'll pay for your, I'll get your shirt. I'll get your shirt. I'll get your picture with you because you gave me an experience that literally can never happen anywhere else again. Agreed. That's like, I, I always want them to enjoy it to the point where it's like they won't feel bad for spending. I always feel bad to go like twenty dollars and then drinks. I feel bad. I'm like, that's you want to pay thirty dollars per person just to see me t- tell fart and winter jokes? All right, I mean, let's go. Let's make this give you a time and a half. Man. Let's give you experience. Let's give you a fun time. You can talk about other. You know, like nobody. You can't quote my jokes because they're just they're just things that have happened to me. They're just I'm not making them sound exciting. It's fun. Yes. Even though that snake church was the most terrifying thing I've ever been a fucking part of. Like, it's, <laughs> like a lot of people don't realize, like, it's funny, but I watched someone die. I just still fucked me. It still fucked me really bad. Like, oh. I die. <laughs> I watched the guy get bit in the head by a snake right in the head, and he died. I watched the guy die on the way to the hospital. I'm like, that's with me for the rest of my life. And, like, even though I make it funny... It's like you you taking something horrible, but I made it I made it funny. Like I made it like laughable. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that's the way. That's how I do. It. Like you make it. The story is so like even if it's something so horrifically monstrous, you're like, I gotta find a way to make this funny. Yeah. And they can get it behind, and then when they pull back on it, don't feel bad. The dude was cheating on his wife for like two years. Yeah. So <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> And that's sorry. I'm going full throttle here, just pumping you. I I hope that you're not already doused with compliments. But that's one more challenge that I feel like a lot of uh, well, maybe not a lot of comedians, but starting out for sure, where you there are these hard no, even for experienced comedians, I think finding those tough, those really traumatizing, especially moments, and making them funny. I think. I have so much respect for those people, you included, where, you. like you said, you saw someone die and your delivery of that on this podcast versus on your special and saying it with the intertwined jokes and funniness is a beautiful way of, of it, it, for me, it's a reflection on perspective, on on how I view life because things happen to you, but then you're responsible for how you react to them. And I think that obviously it's not all jokes, but it seems like you've analyzed that situation very deeply and yeah. you've, you, you've taken some funny out of it. So um, props yeah. to you. I mean, like it's like, if you just take the, take the funny parts out of it, like even the stroke thing, the oh, doctor yeah. said I was going to die of a diabetes before, long before I had a stroke. Like if I take the rest of the jokes out of there, like my doctor says I'm dangerously close to being diabetic. I mean, that's fucked up. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, 
But I found a way to make it funny because he did say, I mean, diabetes gets you long before a stroke will, so you should be fine. And I was like in tears in the office. I was like, this is this is awful. Like, I'm, oh, my and God. Like, and then, yeah, like you got to find like that's you got to look outside yourself and be like, this is this is fucked up. But what he said, I could probably if I say this a different way, I could probably make this funny. And that, oh. and like humor was my way of dealing with something so traumatic like that, like like traumatic like traumatic events where like even right now, like I'm writing a joke where like I just I'm uh, I'm going to a neurologist's office in a few a few weeks because I'm going to be they're going to give me a test in my brain because I might be um, having seizures like small seizures every Shit. day where I like you know the thing uh, the Joker the Joker had where he he laughed oh yeah yeah yeah. I have that, except the the opposite. I cry. I cry for about five seconds uncontrollably, and it's like my, I lose breath, and I have to. I have a big breath of air because I stop breathing while I'm crying. But yeah, I got told that while I was high on my fucking mind to a, a, a fucking like psychiatrist on Zoom. He was just like, "Hey, you know that medication I gave you, that Adderall I gave you? You know you're not supposed to be taking smoking weed." And that's right when the edible hit in. I was like, "Okay." Fuck. All right. I don't, it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, I think you should see a neurologist. I think you're having seizures. And I'm stoned out of my goddamn mind thinking, like, okay. Um, okay. Am I having one right now? Why are my hands getting closer to my face? It was a fucked experience, but I'm making that, I'm trying to make that funny as a way to cope with the fact that I'm being, I'm going to be diagnosed with having mild seizures almost every day. Like, you got to, like, even though things are terrible. As a comedian, I want to make sure, like, everything that's terrible happened to me or happened around me, I want to take its positive spin. That's how I deal with that stuff. It's just making people see, like, yeah, I'm diagnosed with seizures, but, hey, at least I'm not laughing about it. You know, like, it's, like, the most sad thing is, like, I couldn't even get the one that makes people laugh. I couldn't get the fucking Joker one. I had to get the one where I'm fucking crying all the time. Oh, my God. Like, he gets a laugh. I'm a comedian. I couldn't get the laugh one. Like, the one that has the word ha, and it has the word ha-ha in it. It's a, mine's dicratic, dicratic seizure, which has the word cry in it. I'm like, who the fuck named this shit? Like, you have to do it right on the fucking nose where you had the word put the word cry in it. You fucking asshole. You think you're smart putting the word cry? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the joke I'm writing right now because I'm just like, I was, you told me that. I was just like, Jesus Christ, I probably shouldn't be high right now. This is probably like the worst idea, but it was like the day it was like my Friday. It was Friday, and I took an edible, and then he's like, "Hey, by the way, did I tell you not to do any edibles when you're on these medications?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> oh, fuck, you didn't." Is it bad? He's like, "Well, you could become manic." I was like, "Oh my god, what what a, what a way to tell you too." Oh, by the way, did I tell you not to do this? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I think I forgot to tell you, but you told me you weren't doing that much. I'm like, I'm not going to tell my fucking therapist I'm getting stoned out of every single fucking night of my goddamn life. <laughs> I'm not going to tell like, oh, yeah, by the way, doctor, I just did a fucking pound of marijuana. <laughs> Is that why I cry constantly all the time? He's like, no, it's well, because you're having seizures. I'm like, you don't skirt the word seizure into a conversation. Like, you're probably having seizures. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, but that's just it. Oh my God. <laughs> what a, oh, what a doctor. You're probably having seizures. Oh, I should have told you not to, to eat edibles with this medication. This yeah, guy's... The, only way, the only way it would make me more perfect of that is I was hitting a bong grip underneath the camera. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, what are you, what are you doing? 
Nothing. <laughs> it's cold here in LA in the summer. It's very cold. You, I don't, hey, you know you got dragon horns and a unicorn horn on your coming out of your nose. I just, I feel like if I don't tell you, I feel like I should have told you. It's like a piece of spinach in your teeth. It's like you got <laughs> demon horns. So, so just, what we're doing with it? Just yeah, I just thought you should know. You should just hide those back. Oh God, man. Well, hello, you gorgeous goobers. Stefan here. Wanted to take a break to talk to you a little bit about the Expanse Real Estate Team here in Phoenix, Arizona, guys. If you're looking to buy a house in Phoenix or the surrounding areas, there is no better team. Not even the Avengers. Iron Man and Captain America could not do you as good as the Expanse Real Estate Team in Phoenix, Arizona. Guys, they will provide you a free initial consultation to set your expectations and inform you exactly what to expect when purchasing a home in Phoenix. Now, they don't limit the amount of homes that they show you like other brokerages. They are there to get you a home. They're making sure that your domicile is their top priority, and they will find you something for the best price. So, guys, head on over to ExpanseRealEstate.com or call 480-400-1745. And you know what? It also works if you're trying to sell. Are you in Phoenix and trying to sell your home? Give them a call, 480-400-1745 or ExpanseRealEstate.com, and they will help you out. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Condition One. While stationed in Africa, U.S. Marine Matt DeMaio faced his toughest challenge yet. Ghosts? Dragons? Nope, his diet. Like many Marines, Matt wasn't eating real food on a daily basis, and as a result, he and his fellow Marines had constant fatigue and low energy. What his body really craved was the perfect performance bar. A well-rounded protein bar made from real food. One packed with a full spectrum of amino acids and protein with complex carbs and healthy fats. For sustained energy, muscle fatigue prevention, and more. So, Matt teamed up with a nutritionist, and Condition One was born. From soldiers and gym lovers to those with active lifestyles, C1 can help you reach your fitness goals without that dry, chalky taste. Ah, man, I could just taste it, just saying chalky. Yeah. No, this is the real stuff. And to honor his military roots, every C1 purchase helps veteran nonprofits. And guess what, guys? Condition One is exclusively offering my listeners 10% off your guys' next online purchase. So head on over to GoCondition1.com and use the code POD10 to get your protein bar today. A lot to take in, but a lot of good stuff. And I, I just had two more questions before we get into the self-help. But I was yeah. also going to ask, you recorded the, this is your first album. You recorded yeah. it with Uproar, which yeah. did what, like five, six albums of Pry- of Richard Pryor? Which they is did a- his first five albums of Richard fucking Pryor. And the guy, David Drozen, told me that before I did my recording. And so I was just like, well, I'm not Richard Pryor. I don't do fucking amazing existential jokes about race and about life. I do fart and wiener jokes. I, mean, I don't. The whole time I was just like, I, I'm so glad he sat in the back because I've never, I never once saw him laugh. Like I didn't like the entire time. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty like friendly, pretty nice. He's the most stoic person I've ever met. The, like the the Friday night show, the first like no, it was the first show on Saturday night. We sold it out. It was fucking amazing. I was like, I was like, all right, 
I was like, I'm going to go over there, like make it feel better. I was like, Hey, I think we're having a great show tonight. Right. He's like, if you can't kill on the first show on a Friday night, you need to go back to the fuck you were doing before this. So I was like, wow, thanks a lot, dad. Holy shit. <laughs> and I was like, thanks dad. And then I walked and then I was like three minutes later, I was on stage recording that special. I was like, Oh my God. Holy shit. What? Oh fuck. Obviously he knows what he's doing. Like he, he knows comedy. He's been doing it for like 45 fucking years. And I was like, he's probably heard like a billion jokes. And they like, it's like, he's probably heard like every joke under the sun. And I get up there and I'm like, so I was having a stroke the other fucking day. Like, like he just hears me yelling at people on the stage. He's probably just like, Ah, this fucking guy. You better sell a lot of goddamn albums. Like that was going through my head while I was just I was telling my jokes. I was like, I don't know why I was like, I gotta make him proud. I was like, why do I need to make him proud? I just need to make him money. I don't this is fine. Did he do you think I didn't do good on Friday? Like it was this emotional roller coaster while I'm just like, and then I did not like pornography. Like that was just like, all right, uh, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just gonna, I just gotta get through this. I'm fine. And then marijuana. I was just like looking at him. I couldn't see him. It was dark. I was like just looking at him. Like, is it okay to talk about marijuana, Dad? Like, I was. Just, oh my like, god! Did I do a good job, Dad? Fuck! Yeah. Instantly becomes your dad. I just kept kept asking, like, so do you, how do you think the show went? He's like, oh, I think it's a good record. I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. Fuck you. <laughs> he said he's proud of me. Did you hear that? He's proud of me. <laughs> yeah, his wife Cheryl was like the nicest. The nicest person she's like you were great it was a great recording we got a lot of good stuff i was like oh oh okay it's good is do you know you're you're he's stoic he's really like he's really hard to get through he's like oh yeah he's like that to everybody i was like oh okay thanks for telling me that on the after the second show on saturday night <laughs> i still can't believe it i admire you even more now that those were the words that were said to you before you went on to record <laughs> oh god that's a barrel awful. of emotion <laughs> the other thing that i wanted to ask you this beyond the special was i'd follow you on instagram that's how i found out about you i don't know what i was doing what rabbit hole i went down but i saw you on no you know what i do know i follow the hashtag comedy specials so oh. i saw your post and i was like oh this seems interesting peanut butter a guy eating it i'm in so then I go follow you and then I see it's your album. And so um, I'm like, oh, this guy seems cool. And then I start seeing your posts and I just got to ask about the Todd saga. Cause you had said at work, you're, you're, you tried not to like be the clown or be super funny or, or get people into your comedy life. But you have these post after post about Todd, which I'll, I don't know if he's fictional or non-fictional, but the funny, oh, real. oh my God. Is what? You go ahead and tell the story because I I'm gonna butcher it. I don't know what what possessed this person in his life where he's just like I'm gonna be the funny guy. Like I I'm writing this code. I'm like this fucking shit will be great. I'm doing my job here. I don't need people don't need to know I do comedy because they don't just make me the cl- the fucking office clown and no one will take me seriously. Right. And then this guy just starts making these fucking jokes all the fucking time. And I'm just like, oh my god, Todd, you're so fucking funny. Just jacking them off in the fucking office. And every time we've seen this, like the jokes aren't even funny, and he's just taking credit, like he wrote this joke. I'm like, dude, it's the first fucking joke on Google. Are you kidding me? What did the spider do on the internet? You went to a website. Go fuck yourself. You're not. You didn't write this shit. But in, my, like, in person, I'm just like, ah, oh, that's really funny, Todd. <laughs> I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna fucking kill myself. Like, um, it's just, 
it's just it's like you want it's that one person in the office you fucking hate and like it just constantly just makes these goddamn jokes they're not even funny everybody's like yeah you're so fucking funny todd just i'm gonna jerk you off behind the fucking <laughs> and then like then they said the most detrimental thing ever when they said todd you should do stand up and i was like i will kill i will kill myself right now i will hang myself from the ceiling right now and i i don't i'm not even kidding i'm just, i will kill myself right now they're like, yeah, we should go see you at the fucking comedy store. I'm just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god it's finally happening. It's be- <laughs> I just like, I was getting my noose ready and everything, like in my head. It just, like as a comedian, you want people, you want people to like with a laugh and like to like your jokes all the time. And like, I'll, I'll just smoke. I'll throw in like a joke, like from, like an actual joke I've written, just to go laugh. Sometimes they won't laugh at it. I can't <sighs> be like. Well, I'm a comedian. I, I validation. Right. I guess, I that guy that's like, well, he's not as funny as Todd. I'm like, well, you know what? Fuck Todd. Okay. Fuck that guy. I, that red nose. I even that, that red nose thing pushed like almost pushed me over the edge. We was just like, hey, you guys, how'd you get in my apartment? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like everyone's just like, oh my god, Todd, you're so fucking on it. How are you just so? T-? And then Todd Squad. I've been I've been in that place for three months now. <laughs> and he he now has a nickname. He's been there for five years. He didn't get a nickname until I fucking started there. His name's Todd Squad, and I'm just like, I will kill everybody in my head. I'm not gonna do it, but I will, I will hurt myself physically if I hear Todd Squad again. It's like next five minutes, like Todd Squad. Dude, I look forward to those posts because the first one I saw was the one where you were like, oh, are you practicing your type five after you said a joke at the comedy store? And people were like, that's a good idea. You're the funniest one in the office. You should do comedy, Todd. That's why I don't say anything anymore. I don't, I don't say any smart remarks anymore. Because I was supposed to, I say that when everyone's like, tr- like anyone's trying to bits on me. Also, that the comedians are like, they're trying to bit that I know they're trying to bit on me. I'm like, are you doing your type five at the comedy store right now? Or are you having a conversation with me? And like he, he wasn't a comedian, so I didn't think about. It. I was like, "You're trying to type five? He's like, "Dude, that's a great idea." And I was like, "This is my fault. If he becomes a comedian, it's my fault." And I introduced this monster into the world because he's going to go on stage and be like, "Cheryl, Cheryl, remember that one time you did this?" I'm like, "This is my fault. Oh my this is my fault. This is my fault." You should. <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely goad him into doing it because I feel like he's just going to suck. Where it'll all be jokes that are either on the first page of google no it'll be bad he'll end up doing an album that's like eat it all it'll be amazing or it'll be amazing i don't want to pull that trigger i don't want him to go up there and be like so i was out in the store the other day and people like like i don't want them (laughs) they don't want like give me your fucking joke come tie it up i don't want that i don't want the fact that he might be because even when I, i thought about that too like some people start off and you think they're gonna suck, but they're fucking amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that harbinger of just the next fucking Bill Burr because I was being a smartass, and then I'm still sitting in the same job, and he's doing, you know, USO tour, tours 16 years from now. Oh, I don't want to, God! They're like, hey, we were gonna go with you, Anthony, but this guy Todd. I'm just like, oh, that guy Todd? Yeah, he's great. Like right now, I don't care. Yeah, I can't. Oh God, I don't want to imagine you on a VH1 documentary 20 years later, and you're like, "Yeah, I introduced him to comedy, and he, uh, yeah, he's doing an Anthony album now." Will not be the only thing Anthony was eating around were the pills that he swallowed. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you probably would. Fuck. Well, it, it it is delightful to read about because there's always, <laughs> from the comics perspective. 
when whenever you tell people you're a comedian, they're like, oh, tell a joke. And then if you end up telling a joke, they're like, oh, it's not that funny. Or they're just like, I thought he was funnier being a comedian. Or if you tell you're a good joke, they like it. And then they you just have to keep telling jokes all the time for them to validate you. Or you tell a joke that's too dark. And then you have to talk to HR. And then you're like, well, they told me to tell them a joke, but I'm so sorry they don't like jokes about people killing themselves while they're masturbating. My bad. Sorry that Todd can do a type five where he fucking wants to, but I'm sorry I'm the one that pull his fucking reins back. <laughs> oh God. Well, your 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 torment is is I think entertainment for a lot of people. So keep it up. Yeah, thanks, and, thanks, man. and and keep it up, Todd. Todd, if it wasn't for you, this content wouldn't be distributed to the world. So yeah, my wife asked me that too. She's like, "Is he real?" And I was like, "You know he's fucking real. You hear me? You hear me complain about him? You know he's fucking real. You know he's doing real harm to my body and soul." She's like, "Jesus Christ, Anthony, he's just a person." Like, you have no idea. You have you're a normal person that doesn't do stand up. You have a life. You have loved ones that love you for everything you're worth. I have only this, nothing else. Your wife starts hearing you say his name in your sleep, Todd. Todd. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck you, Todd. All right. Well, what a great note to get us into. Yeah, to segue us into the self-help. This is beautiful. Um, I'm having a fucking breakdown. mentally. They're like, hey, Anthony, you want to give these people some fucking advice on their lives as you fucking just decay inside and outside? Like, yeah, sure. Fucking let's do this shit. Yeah, no, now's a good time for an inspirational quote to bring us back up from that that uh, monumental downfall. I'm, I'm over here. Just, my life is being brought down by a tsunami of a person that doesn't even know that I exist outside the office. This person's bringing me torment in my life, and this person doesn't has no thought about me outside the office. He just loves that he's getting jokes. And me, I'm just like, well, this is it. Here's the spoonful of cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> You got the last laugh, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, let me get some advice to people. All right, perfect. This is fantastic. Anthony, by the way, I'm just going to pause for a sec. Say, you've been an awesome guest so far. Really appreciate <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the comedy advice and self-loathing. This has been a, a perfect blend of an episode. Love it. <laughs> you don't hate yourself. You're not doing good in comedy. <laughs> uh, hopefully you have a shirt like that. Do we have merch? <laughs> oh yeah i just i have a shirt that just says a uh, uh, belly rub on it it's a pornhub logo yes my belly a lot yeah nice nice <laughs> amazing all right we're gonna get into the self-help part and we like to start off with a quote to help inspire us to be able to answer some questions now before i get into the quote that i found i like to ask my guests if they have any inspirational quotes that help get them through their dark days Say if they have a coworker that everyone thinks is hilarious or anything like that. Oh fuck, man! <laughs> fuck you, Todd. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an inspirational quote because I'm, I'm not a I'm not an eat, pray, loves poster. You know, like I just was like, hey, get up there, and fucking make people laugh, or just hey, get up there, and fucking do this, dude. You don't need a you don't need an inspirational quote. Just you're not you're not, you're not pure one imports. You're not Bed Bath and Beyond. You got this. <laughs> I I will say though that I went to a show at a guy's house and it was like it was in his living room, like next to his TV. I did like 45 minutes in front of like all of his family. They were sitting on the fucking like on the staircase going upstairs. Was, they were sitting in chairs. This guy was like 
you want some cocaine? I was like, no, no, I'm good. You have, if you see my stand up, I'm very angry and very, I don't need more energy. It's, it's like giving like, it's like giving speed to like a child. You would never do that because you would want to kill it. Like, no. Then like, I was like, is this guy a drug dealer? Like the guy's like, yeah, he's, he's paying us like $300 a beer, but he's a drug dealer. He just wants to make, he's, he's just like a guy that wants to make people laugh. He doesn't want to go out. I'm like, that's so baller. Well, why does he have an eat, pray, love fucking poster on his fucking wall? He's got like love, live life. He's got like all the, he's got one of those scratch off fucking world maps. Like, dude, you can't be this, this hard. You can't be a drug dealer and have that kind of shit in your house. You can't be like a cutout of pure one imports. And be like, man, if this guy doesn't give me a goddamn cocaine money, I'm going to fucking kill his family. Like just sketch on his dead body. Like eat, pray, laugh, love. Like it's. Oh my God. I've never, I mean, I haven't encountered a lot of drug dealers in my time, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't imagine one like that. It's like the Martha Stewart of cocaine dealers. It's... Next, you mix up the cocaine in your favorite brownie. You should check out my TikTok, man. I've got tons of Coke recipes. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's that's really nice. Okay, well, I, I was thinking of an inspirational quote that was said to you by the guy from Uproar Records. What was it? If the shit isn't as funny as Friday night, you better go back to the shit that works. If you can't kill on a first show on a Saturday night, you need to go back to what the fuck you were doing before this. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I mean, he had a good point. I mean, it, it, it motivated me. It, mo- it, it motivated you. It's ingrained in your mind verbatim. So I think, uh, you know, sometimes it's tough love, I guess. Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Dad. <laughs> I feel like he's my dad, just secondhand, <laughs> thirdhand. All right. Well, we've got a quote. I've, I've got a quote that I found that we're going to try and decipher. It's not by a person. It's actually by a robot named Inspirobot. Speaking of Skynet and, and everything. And its sole purpose is to be able to take some of the wisest words known to man and just mash them together for a really juicy, inspirational quote. So this week's quote is, if you are the first person in the crowd, you will soon know the true meaning of crowd. Hmm. That one's kind of dumb, I feel. I didn't feel too inspired from that one because obviously you're not in a crowd. You're like pre-crowd. If and- you're the first person in the water, you'll truly know the meaning of water. Like, <laughs> the fuck? You just, if you're the first, first, first person doing anything, you're going to know what the meaning of the fucking word. That's so stupid. Yeah. If you're the first person jumping off the bridge, you're going to know the feeling of bodies dropping on the top of you. Like that's, that's doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, yeah, you're going to know what the word crowd means because people are going to start crowding around you. I mean, that's just that's just a statement. That's not a meaningful. Like, what am I supposed to fucking take with this? Don't show up on time. Show up late so you don't get crowded by fucking people. So you can. That's how I live. Every. I never like. We just went to the Game of Thrones, like the live playing the Game of Thrones last year. Uh-huh. We got there twenty minutes late because we didn't want to get, be crowded by people. And we left ten minutes early because we wanted to beat the traffic out of there. Like that's how we live our lives because we, me and my wife, hate crowds, dude. So yeah. If you're the first person in the crowd, you're maybe just go have maybe do something else and not be such a fucking loser being on time like an asshole. <laughs> be late, avoid the crowd. Yeah, maybe it's a warning. It's a warning saying if you're this person, it's gonna get crowded. Stay away from the crowds. Be a one man crowd. Be a one man. Be a non crowd. Anti crowd. This is how you know Skynet will never happen. <laughs> if the computer's like, be the first person in the crowd, you'll. <laughs> 
Jamel Nemesho, me and the Red Crab. I think, yeah, I think we're throwing them off the scent too to Annihilation because I think Inspirebot has started to seek out wisdom from Instagram quotes and captions. So I think it's going to get totally fucked there. So good. I'm glad that we squeezed whatever meaning there was out of that quote. I think we're ready for some questions now. If you light a fart on fire, you will truly know how to breathe fire. Like that's. That was last week's quote. Nice. Really? No, no. Okay, I was going to say, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm in the Matrix. I did it. Are you Inspirebot, Anthony? <laughs> All right. It's just me. It's Wait. just some redneck behind just like. <laughs> you know, it'd be good if you're the first one in a crowd. All right. We've got our first question. This is from Reddit. It's by our fan, Tom. Thank you, Tom. It says, should I ask my husband's boss to give him time off? I am planning a 40th surprise trip for my husband. I want to email his boss and ask for the time off for him. Would that be weird as a man or a boss to have that happen? Yes. I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. I don't know if I you're... Mean, how'd you get his email? Oh. Oh. Unless you're already fucking him. Then I guess I think asking him for time off for your husband is the least of the things you need to be worrying about. So you're sensing a tryst of some sort, an affair. Well, I mean, how are you going to get his email? I mean, you're like, hey, honey, can I have your dad, your boss's email? And he's going to be like, no, you're not going to start talking to my boss. Like, that's <laughs> like, for, like, I get you need a piece of like surprise stuff, like surprise 40th trip. Like I'm planning a 40th surprise trip for my husband. I mean, just go to work and ask her, ask your boss or something. I don't know. This is so weird. This is such a weird thing. Tom, what the fuck? Like, wait, also, Tom, are you, is it your husband? Like, what, is it weird as a man or as a boss to have this happen? Who gives a shit? Just go ask him. Like, type him like, hey, I'm doing a surprise trip with my husband. Can he have these time, this time off? Or do the normal thing and be like, hey, surprise, we're going on a trip. I haven't locked it down yet. Can you ask your boss to even get this time off? And then we'll we'll make it concrete so we can go that time. I like, you don't want to surprising somebody with the time. Hey, we're going to, we're going on a trip this week. I'm like, well, I already have plans. Wish you would have told me before this. Like, you know, like it's. Uh, yeah, I have plans with my boss to work because I wasn't surprised by this until just now. So, <laughs> what one thing you could do is uh, maybe you could tell him instead of you could give him a decoy surprise. So you could say, hey, hubs. I've got a surprise. Can you take this day off? We're going to go shopping. And he's like, wow, goody. Let's do it. Book the time off. Then you could be like, surprise on that surprise. And I'm actually yeah. taking you here. So then like that. You, you, you don't have to get the boss's email. And then you don't have to fuck his boss. So I think that all works out really nicely. Yeah. Or maybe this is just a ruse to fuck his boss. We don't know. Or maybe, yes. You know what? If you want our permission, if... If you feel like, well, no, should we encourage that? I don't know. I'm feeling, I'm conflicted here. Don't fuck the boss. If, okay, if it's me, if your if your last line of defense is not fuck your husband's boss, is listen to a comedian that just had a fucking breakdown about his coworker <laughs> on a fucking Zoom podcast, then yeah, I don't think that I'm the trigger that's making that's that I'm not the fucking voice on the side of your goddamn shoulder saying. Yeah, you should fucking do it. Fucking do it. Like, if I'm not the last one of defense here. Get your shit together. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I, I think going with that, 
with with the decoy surprise you could also if it's too late maybe just tell your husband to call in sick if it's day of and if he doesn't want to do that maybe you should just make him sick and then so he gets sick but then you can still take him on the surprise this is the weirdest fucking question like, hey, uh, <laughs> should I email his boss and then he finds out that you're emailing his boss then he's going to be even more fucking awkward about it that you're going behind his, his back talking to his boss right it's like, I mean, it's so weird because you also, if uh, if it's me, I'm putting myself in the place of this hubs, this hubby, and then it's like, oh, wait, I don't have to go to work today? Like, I expected to go to work, I shaved, I'm ready to go to work, and then my wife is just like, no, you don't have to go to work, and you're like, well, that's weird, because yeah. usually my boss tells me if I can go to work, and then you talk with your boss, and he's like, well, your wife emailed me, and then you find out that she's fucking your boss, so then I feel like it's just a bad idea. Or even worse, like he's like, well, he already has that time off for something else. You're like, what? oh, even yes, what do you even, mean? he was off last week. No, he didn't. He worked last week. Oh my god! Like, or he's like, like, oh no, yeah, he can have that week off. I'm gonna fire him tomorrow, anyways. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, oh, like yeah. I, I immediately go dark. I don't it's... think like, oh yeah, that's really sweet. You're so sweet taking your husband on a trip. I immediately go to, he's being fucked by his boss and he's going to get fired. <laughs> I, you know what? It's good sometimes to explore all of the possibilities of shitty things that could happen. So I'm glad yeah, that we explored asking, that. You're asking two comedians on a podcast to, to you know, dictate your life. You're not batting a thousand right now. Yeah, you're, you're in a bad place. You should. <laughs> I know we're here to self-help, but we're helping you by telling you how bad you are so that you can get better. Or, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. All right, we've got our next question. This is from Savannah. It says, I keep having nightmares about aliens. I am deeply horrified of aliens and alien invasions. However, I am also interested in knowing all I can about them. I don't know why I'm so scared about them. I keep having nightmares about aliens from time to time. I don't know how to stop it. Help. Whew. Well, now... Uh, Savannah, this just might be me, but um, usually when you think about them a lot, you fucking dream about them. Like, maybe think about eating p- potato chips and pizza. Maybe you'll have a fucking dream about that. Maybe not say that you want to know all you can about them, because when you learn more about aliens, you get fucking scared about shit you don't know about. Right, right. Read about the healthcare system. Now I'm terrified about it. I don't. I'm afraid to stub my toe because I think I'm just ready to shoot myself in the fucking head and pay that bill. Yeah, there are, I mean, there are plenty of things that are real that you should be worried about instead of things yeah. that you might not know anything about. Oh, maybe aliens are real. Maybe they're not. Right, but I don't think there's – I think there's a lot of information about the healthcare system that you can learn about to get worried about and have nightmares over instead of something like aliens. That, that's very also, real. Also, if aliens exist. They don't give a shit about you. You, What do you do, Savannah? When you get up every morning, you shit fucking space dust and dark matter. No, aliens ain't gonna come around from across billions of light years, which we've we've looked in our galaxy. There's no aliens, so they had to come millions of light years. If they're gonna come millions of light years, go to your little podunk place and in wherever fucking Kentucky town you are, and think, let's probe this fucking bitch. Like no one gets it. No, no, and they make, make you feel better about them to not have dream, not have nightmares about them. Is they don't care about you. Exactly. And they're not going to give you special treatment if they do come down and murder everybody. This isn't like a podcast guest where they're like, oh, thank you for doing research about me. Beep, boop, beep. No, they're going to be like, 
murder. So you're going to be done. And so you should not worry about the inevitable of either getting murdered or not getting murdered. Yeah. Don't be afraid about the thing in space. Be afraid of the things that are here on Earth. Think about much more terrifying. Yes. Think about the health insurance. They're not going to cover alien attack either. So that's another thing to worry about. I like I like people think that like every time you hear about a guy, he's like, Yeah, I was abducted by aliens and probed. I'm like, Oh, are you from the South? Oh, yeah. I'm like, Well, there you go. You're fucking you're probably drunk on moonshine. <laughs> Yet another reason not to drink. Dude, that's why you don't get shit face and then drink PCP by the gallon. That's you don't you're not supposed to do that. You're the pastor of our church. You need to fucking calm down with this shit. Oh Lord. So yeah, I think the, but the answer here I think is the key is thinking about something else because you'll dream about something else. So stop <laughs> stop caring about aliens. Stop taking PCP. Stop drinking. The, if you could take anything from the, my tirades on this podcast is that I'm actually a very happy person. <laughs> yes. That just, just, just has shit that happens to him that he has to just deal with in a very aggressive way. <laughs> and you know what? Fuck Todd. And fuck aliens. And you know what? If you you want to ask your boss, your husband's boss for time off, you're just opening Pandora's box to your boss just telling you the shit that he wants your husband to do. Like, hey, your husband's doing shitty at his job. Could you maybe get him to do better? And now you just open up a can of just, just fucking oh, horribleness when you could have just said, hey, fuck. husband, I'll take you on a goddamn trip. I won't tell you. It's a surprise. Get this time off. I didn't think about that. The boss will be like, hey, can you deliver this annual review for me? I don't really feel like doing it. There's some bad news in there. And then you're like... Well, I guess. And then you're going to have to talk to your husband about his areas of development and uh, his challenges in the workplace. So I think it's... Your husband sucks at blowjobs, Tom. <laughs> Can you let him know? Can you give him some techniques? God, <laughs> what a nightmare. Let him hurry the shit up. <laughs> well, excellent. This is great. I feel self-helped. So, Anthony... This was that was our last question. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. Oh yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me tonight. Absolutely. Now, where can people find you? What have you got going on? What have you got to plug? Let us let us have it. All right. Uh, you can find follow me on all platforms: uh, Instagram and Twitter at eighty comedy twenty eight or Southern Fried Comedy on Facebook. Uh, my album Eat Around It from upper records just came out it's number one in comedy on amazon which i'm very fucking happy about i had to blow a lot of people to get that to happen which is great and um uh, i'll be the next it sucks the next show i'll be doing the next big show i'll be doing is in st george utah at the electric comedy theater i'm headlining two shows september 18th and 19th so oh, if nice. you're in georgia if you're i'm sorry if you're in utah and you're listening to this Stop fucking your wives and go to the show. That's excellent. Transcendence through fart jokes and poop jokes. <laughs> I love it. When are you? By the way, do you have any plans to come to Phoenix anytime? I was I was gonna I was gonna be headlining the comedy spot in Scottsdale in May, and then COVID happened, and I, then the comedy spot shut down permanently. I which I just got a red, residency at to be to do it do a headlining spot every six months to that place, and then shut down. So thanks a lot, COVID. 
a fucking dick. Fuck. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I was on that. I was on that cusp of like, if, if the album sales weren't really good, and I was still doing comedy a lot. I would have been able to quit my my job and do comedy full time, and then I wouldn't have to deal with Todd ever fucking again. But then this happened, and now I won't be going. I won't be doing comedy full time for at least a few more years, which sucks. But oh, it's okay. Man. I'll be happy to do any shows, Zoom related or otherwise. And like, I'll be preaching the good gospel of snake churches anywhere I possibly can. <laughs> Love it. Team Slytherin all the way. That's great. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anthony. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk at you next time. Bye-bye.